a one-week break here from First John and to prepare our hearts for the business meeting, I wanted to bring us to a passage that really challenged my heart, and I pray that it will challenge your heart as well. I couldn't help but think when we were singing Psalm 27 um, that one of the attributes of God, you ready for this? God is beautiful. Yes. You ever think about that? I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. He's beautiful. What a wonderful thought to think about in, in our God. And, and I want to, I want to uh, study with you Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful passage of Scripture and really challenging in so many ways. Um, you've been there, right? You sat with your financial advisor when you were a little bit younger than I am and and they ask you, okay, now you got to put away for retirement because when you get older, Chalmers is going to use all your Social Security and so you're not going to have any and, and um, you're going to be broke when you get older. So you need to plan now. And here's how much money you need. You need, you know, two million, three million. They keep throwing numbers at you so that when you retire, you can retire well. And, um, and so uh, one of the questions they ask you, and remember... I, Remember this question, my financial, financial advisor asked me, he goes, so how willing are you to take a risk? And boy, that was a, that was a question. Because, you know, some of you know me for a while and you know that I'm a risk taker at times, but sometimes I put, I try to play it safe and, you know, I don't want to put my money in some place that it's here today, gone tomorrow. And he says, well, don't worry, we can be very aggressive in this, so we can be less aggressive, but, we need to know if you're willing to take a risk. And so I'm like, is there anything in the middle? You know what I mean? I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean I'm, I'm probably the middle guy. I don't like to go way out. You know what I mean? Throw all the money in one place. That's very aggressive. But, you know, I don't like to so slow that you can't see the money going up. I'm a middle guy. You know, is there a middle fund somewhere that we can throw money in? And, and uh, really, he was kind of, you know, no, nope, you really got two options here. Either we'd be very aggressive or we're just not so aggressive at all. And so uh, I said, you know what? We're going to be not so aggressive. That's who I am. I'm not the aggressive guy. You know what I mean? I don't want to come back and the stock market blows up and I got two pennies left. I want to I wanna be okay in that. And so what we did, too, during that time is we started a little fund for college when Ellie was just a very little baby there, and we started putting away $100 a, a month uh, for college. And praise God, after 18 years, we don't even have enough for one year of college. Amen? <laughs> 18 years! Not even one year for one kid! That was for all four of them. One kid. We can't even put one year through college with what we saved up. And so God blesses, doesn't he? And, and uh, you think about it. But the question is, is how willing are you to take a risk? Did you know, I'm going to talk about a movie in Philly, and I don't know why I should because I don't like them right now. But um, did you know a movie that was filmed in Philly by a Italian guy? Can you think of a, a movie like that? Starts with R. Rocky, right? My idol, he looks just like me. But anyway, uh, did you know he wrote the screenplay? Did you know that? And um, they offered him more money for the screenplay than for him to be in the movie. And Sylvester Stallone said, no, no, I am going to be in the movie. If you don't let me in the movie, you're not getting my screenplay. Okay, we're going to give you a lot less money 
If you're in the movie, that's okay. He took a risk. What happened? Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, Rocky 5, Rocky 6. He's still fighting. He's 90 years old. Rocky 8's coming out. I don't know what's going on here. Millions of dollars because he took a risk. Listen to this quote by one guy that took a risk. He said this, getting a degree in college is a much surer path to success. But he dropped out of Harvard. You know his name? Bill Gates. He didn't do too well, did he? <laughs> he is known as the most successful Harvard dropout in the world. Think about that. Are we willing to take a risk? I don't know about you. I'm the middle guy. I get nervous. And that's why I love this passage. Let's, let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And let's look at what Solomon encourages us to do and how to live here this morning. And I pray it encourages all of our hearts here. He says in verse 1, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters. For you will find it after many days. Now, now what he's saying here is, is if, if you do that now, if somebody throws bread in the water now, you're going to get soggy bread. Don't, don't do that. Okay, so that's, that's not, you got to understand the historical context of this. Back then, they would harvest the grain. They would put the grain on the ship. They would send the ship off and they would do trade. And what are you saying is send the ship off. Do your trade. Take a risk. We don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, a few days later, we're going to get it back. The safe way is to harvest the grain and make bread and keep your own bread. But he doesn't say to do that. He says, cast the bread off. Cast it onto the surface of the waters. Send the ship out. Well, what can happen when they send the ship out? Well, <laughs> a lot of things. It can hit a reef. It can meet a storm. It can be attacked by pirates. Or you can have some traders on the other, on the other side that do... Uh, do a shady business and then you lose some money there. A lot of risk can happen when you send the ship off. And so he knows that, but he's telling us to take a risk. We need to be live willing to take a risk. Send those breads off. We don't, and look at verse two. Be careful when you're taking this risk. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. By the way, if you have a lot of eggs now, you are rich. <laughs> all right. You are very rich. I mean, it isn't great. Tur the chickens now are the new toilet paper of 2020. Amen. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's crazy. We couldn't get toilet paper in 2020. Now we can't get it. They were smuggling eggs. By the way, it's nothing to do with the text. They are smuggling eggs now. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is getting, you know what I mean? This is exactly what you wanted to hear. All right, let's go on. Is that a bad one? That was pretty bad. All right, look at, look at verse two. This is important. Divide your portion to seven or even eight. He says... When you're living risky, it doesn't mean that you don't live responsible. You don't put your eggs all in one basket. You don't, you don't just go after one thing. You have to learn diversification. You got to learn to diversify, to put in different places, to be willing to try different things, not only one thing. One place, one thing. I am not changing one thing. No. Don't, don't do that. Here's why. This is a very important principle. In verse 2, what does he say here? Divide your portion into seven or even eight. Have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, a plan E, even a plan G. 
Why? Look at this. Yeah, F. Yeah, I skipped some letters here. I'm glad there's people who know the alphabet better than I do. Here's why. Verse 2. Don't miss this. For you do not know what... And what's the next word? The word is ra'ah in Hebrew. It is evil. You do not know the evil that may occur where? On the earth. We cannot predict the evil that comes. You know what he's saying here in verse 2? He is saying that life is filled with good days and life is filled with bad days. There are not only good days, and guess what? Bad days may come. And we don't know what misfortune may occur on the earth. And in 2020, the beginning of the year, uh, the same coach that got me into high school baseball, that allowed me to, to go into high school baseball and to help with the wide, is the same coach that died in a car crash. There were good things, and then there were evil things. You don't know what's going to happen to the stock market. You don't know what's going to happen to the price of this. You don't know the misfortune that will happen upon the earth. There are good things that happen and praise God. But along with those good things, there are evil things. So he, he is telling us to look at the, the big picture here, not just one day. We get so bogged down with one day. It's a, it's a good Sunday. Wow, we're on a high. It's a bad Sunday. Oh, we're down low. It's one day. God sees it all. He says here, he says, diversify. Learn to try different things. Don't get stuck in a rut. Don't just have a plan A. Have a plan B, C, D, and use the F. And, and E, F, and G. Have it all because you don't know what's going to happen upon the earth. Wow, that is, that is amazing. Look at this verse in Ecclesiastes 7.14. I love this one here. Just a couple of chapters before you. I, I'll have it up here. 7.14. Look at this. It says, in the day of prosperity, what? Be happy. <laughs> Rejoice. Praise God. It's up. Everything's up. Great. Eggs are down. Praise the Lord. Rejoice. But look at the next. Look what it says here. But in the day of adversity, do what? Consider. Do a lot of thinking. Here's why. Because God has made one as well as the other. I love this. So that man will not discover anything that will be after him. God keeps us on our toes. There are good days, praise God. There are bad days. Guess what? Praise God. He knows what he's doing. And so we learn to take a risk and we learn to be responsible and we learn to have uh, different plans and not just put our eggs in one basket because we don't know what misfortune, what evil may have come upon the earth. Now that scares some. It scares me. And it, sometimes it paralyzes us. And uh, I learned a little phrase, a military phrase. Thank you, Sam. It's called paralysis by analysis. You like that phrase? That all of a sudden we start to analyze things and we become paralyzed. Now watch this. Look at verse 3. It says, if the clouds are full, guess what's going to happen? They pour out rain upon the earth. Try stopping that. 
And let me just tell you, it rains sometimes at the worst time. I go to see a Sky Sox game back when they were in town. It rained. They make you buy the pizza and wait, and they don't tell you the game is not going to go on. And you're sitting there, and you're eating the pizza, hoping the game is, the game's not coming on. They know it. I had to go home. No game. I went again. I brought somebody with me. Maybe that person, though, it'll be different. It was going to rain again. Guess what? We're eating pizza. Guess what? No game. It rained. It says here, if the clouds are full, guess what's going to happen? They're going to pour out rain on the earth. How are you going to stop that? Oh, you think you can stop things? What about a tree that falls? Try catching one of those. It falls towards the south or towards the north. Wherever the tree falls, there it lies. You ain't stopping it. God is so much. He is in control of the world. We are not. But here's what happens. This is us in verse 4. Now, don't miss this. This is us in verse 4. We start to make excuses. We start to analyze, overanalyze, hyperanalyze things. We start to watch the stock market. We start to watch how the economy is doing, the housing market. When is it time to buy? When isn't it time to buy? When should we move? When shouldn't we move? When should I change jobs? When shouldn't I change? We start to analyze everything. Watch what happens in verse 4. Don't miss This is an incredible verse. It says, He who watches the wind, what will happen? He won't sow. If we're sitting there waiting for ideal times to do things, we will never do anything. Here's what he's saying here. If you're looking for an excuse to do nothing, you will find it. They're out there. We can just sit still and do nothing. Look at the next one. He who looks at the clouds will not what? Will not weep. Weep, I said. Reap. I heard the weep. I know, I will weep. He's saying we're looking for the ideal situation, the, the perfect timing to act, and we just end up never acting, never doing anything. I, I met a young guy at this IFCA regional, and he said, uh, he was 28, I said, so are you married? He goes, no, but I got a girlfriend, if that counts. I go, so when are you getting married? Well, we'll just wait until we have enough money. <laughs> and our response is... <laughs> Sir, <laughs> she's going to double your joy and triple your finances. You better get ready for that. She will cost you more than you ever thought. You will never have enough money. How about those that are waiting to have kids? Well, we're just waiting to have enough money. Our response? <laughs> you know how much money kids cost? Holy cow. And they still want McDonald's on top of it. I don't know. We're always waiting. A pessimist always waits. Let's just wait till the economy gets a little bit better. Oh, keep waiting. Let's just wait until the housing market gets better. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. Oh, things are getting better. Yeah, maybe now. You ever talk to people over the years how much interest they paid years ago? When 5% was a luxury. And now it's like, whoa, 5%? There's no way we can't do anything. 
You know, sometimes Christians kind of do that with God. God, I'll do this if you just change a little bit of circumstances and I'll, and I'll just, I'll act when everything changes. You'll never act. We'll never start serving God waiting for the ideal time. Waiting for the perfect church, you'll never find it. Waiting for the perfect opportunity to get, you'll never find it. Waiting for the perfect time to get married, you'll never find it. Perfect time to have kids, you'll never find it. If we just wait and wait and wait, we'll wound up doing nothing. And so he is saying here, the one that just is sitting there making the excuses. By the way, I read something that really hit me. Behind every excuse, there's a lie. We believe a lie. We say, you know what? Yeah, we can't do this. And we're believing a lie. Be careful with excuses. He's saying the one who watches will, will never. And I, I praise God. We have people in the church that just don't want to be all talk. We had our, our, our building committee meeting and Brian spoke up and he said, guys, if we just talk, we'll never act. We need to act. I'm like, wow. And then I'm like, when do you want to act? And Whitney piped in. She put her head on a Zoom call and says, now, now. Whoa, whoa, Whitney, wait a minute Remember, I'm the guy in the middle. I'm not the guy that runs. Whoa, I praise God. We're not just talk. Forget about the talk. I'm tired of the talk. We could talk all day. We need to do this. We need to do that. But we need to do it. And, and if we just make the excuses and we watch the wind and we look at the clouds, we'll never reap. Now watch this. This is amazing. Look at verse 5. This is beautiful. Look at this passage. This, this, this is an emotional part of the passage. Look what we don't know. I love this. This, this, is, this is beautiful. Watch this. Just as you do not know. Three things here. Don't miss this. If anything you get this verse, this is a beautiful verse. Just as you do not know, yada is the word there in, in the Hebrew. We don't have intimate understanding of these things. Just as you do not know the path of the wind. Stop there. The weather watchers. Oh, man. Do you guys know where we live? We live where? In what state? Colorado. Do you know that you can golf one day and have a snow shovel the next? I got pictures of myself doing that. But people love to watch the weather. Boy, they tell you three months in advance, what's, what, it's going to snow. Pastor, I don't know if we can have a meeting in two weeks because it's going to snow in two weeks. We don't know here. Look at it outside. Beautiful. Go to the north. You don't know the path of the wind. God controls the wind. Look at the next thing you don't know. This is, this is amazing. By the way, we were in a pastor's meeting one time. And it was, it was, it was going to snow. And one of the pastors left because he was scared about the snow. And he left because he had to travel far. He got stuck in the snow. And he got stuck in Kansas. That's even worse. <laughs> I'm telling you something. There's nothing worse than getting stuck in the snow than getting stuck in Kansas in the snow and having no place to go. It's not that bad. I-70 coming out's the best. All right, let's uh, let's look at the next thing we don't know. This is this is amazing. This is amazing. Look at this. And how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman. You ever watch a baby in the belly? 
You ever go to ultrasounds and see the baby there? Well, how does God do that? How, how, how does it start? Just, how, and, and, and then there's a, there's a baby in there, and then all of a sudden, the baby is forming, and then all of a sudden, the baby's sucking his thumb. I've seen it. And just at peace in there, and everything's okay, and you're the one that's worried. And then our first one, you know, you hear all these things with the first one. is, You know, you don't know if the first one's going to be too big and hurt the mother. Maybe the mother had died during delivery. And you hear all these horror stories, you know, they, they have to tell you. And, and the doctor didn't help us. He's like, wow, look at the size of that head. What a big head she has. She's never going to pass. I said, yeah, she's my kid. She's going to have a big head. Amen. That's what us Italians have. We have big heads. You know, and, and, oh, look how big. She'll never pat. No way. No, it'll never happen. It happened. I'll never forget his words when he's holding her. Wow, how tiny she is. She's only eight pounds, six ounces. She was small. But how does God do that? How, how does God form the, the, the bones in the womb of a pregnant woman? Anyone know that? Look, look what else we don't know. You do not know the activity of God who makes what? All things. Why is it that God takes some things away that we really like and gives us things that we don't want? Do you know how God acts? How come it is that God blesses us in ways that we can't imagine. Why, why did God take a New York City guy, bring him to Alabama so he can meet a Christian for the first time and he gets saved? Why did God do that? The happy things of life, the mysteries of life. Why did God wait so long to bring Katie into my life? Boy, was it worth the wait. Why, why is it that we can preach to one person and they get saved right there and you preach to another and they just look at you like you're nuts? Why, why, why does God do... Why, why can you go to some countries and preach and not worry about being blown up and in other countries you go and you have to worry about gathering together? Explain to me the activity of God. We don't know it. He, he gives, he, he takes away, he, 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 he gives us things that, that we don't want. He, he takes away some things that we do want. Sometimes we do something and, and all of a sudden it's blessed. Sometimes we do something else and it's not. We don't know what God's doing. Life is filled with mysteries, he's telling us in verse 5. We don't know the path of the wind, so stop watching the wind. We don't know how the bones are formed in the womb of a, of a pregnant woman, being all of God. And we don't know the activity, literally in the Hebrew, the accomplishments of God. And look what he does. He makes all things. I don't know why some people get cancer and others don't. I don't know why some overcome cancer and others don't. I don't know why young babies die. I don't know the activity of God. So who am I to try to figure it out? And if we sit there and try to figure out God, 
will do nothing with our lives. So he tells us in verse 6, here's what we ought to do. We ought to sow our seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. Work, minister, serve. Be busy when in the morning. Be busy when in the evening. Don't stop. For here's why. Look at verse 6. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed. There's no recipe for success. There's no guarantee. Oh, I love this. This is what excites me about ministry and excites me about, about being a pastor. I don't know how God is going to bless. It excites me about the people he brings in. A, I don't know how it's going to go. And some people could say, well, you just do this, this, and this, and God's going to do it. We don't know. So we're busy in the morning. We're busy in the evening. We're just serving the Lord. We're doing the, the best we can. And you know what? He may bless one. He may bless the other. He may bless both. That's our God. Look what it says. It says, For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Wow, that's great. We, we, we work for God in the morning. We work for God in the evening. We, we do God's business. And guess what? We don't know if he's going to bless one, bless the other, or bless them both. Let me give you some verses here to think about that go along with this. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 to 11. I want to show you something here. Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11. Look at this verse here. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at this. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. You know what he's telling you? Preach the word and watch God bless Share the word. And you never know what he's going to do. But it will accomplish things. When we went down to Argentina, I just got in. I had no idea that there was a lady that was struggling with serving God and ready to give up on God. I preached a message. She came up to me in tears. She says, you know what? After this message, I will serve God. I will continue on. We just, pre just, just share God's word. You know what else we need to do? Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6. This is another thing here. He's saying, so in the morning, so in the evening. What should we be doing? We should be sharing the word and watch God bless. You know what we should be doing? We should be giving. Look what it says here. Now, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. This is not a name it and claim it, sow the seed, have greed. It's not talking about that. It's saying, be a generous person and watch God take care of your needs. Just recently, somebody in Peru had a need, so, so we knew somebody took care of it, and guess what? God took care of their need afterwards. But let me, let me show you another thing here. Galatians 6, 9. This is another principle here. Look at this verse. It says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not what? Grow weary. I remember Easter. COVID. Remember that day? How many restaurants were open? None. Rick and I went out and we decided to feed truck drivers. And we didn't know what God was going to do through that. 
we fed a truck driver and I think it was his mother. Someone in the family wrote us a beautiful, you know, my son has been so lonely on the road. All the places are closed and you guys reached out to him and gave him a meal. Thank you. We don't know what God's going to do. We, we sow our seed in the morning. We do not be idle in the evening for we don't know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. We have no time to make excuses and say, well, it's not the right time to act. Because here's the thing. When is the right time to act? Tell me. I don't know. Guess what? It'll never be ideal. But you ever thought of this? That God sometimes brings circumstances that are very difficult and asked us to act during those circumstances so that he would get the most glory. Yes. Ever think about that? You ever think about that God, in the midst of the adversity, in the midst of it being really hard to preach and people not responding like they, in the midst of all that, he gets more glory in times like that. Let me, let me share one more story with you. This was kind of fun. We're doing, co- we, 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 got, we got hit by COVID and we're sitting here in the church and we're filming it. And let me tell you, preaching to a camera is not, I don't like it. I, but we were doing it. The camera was upside down. Grandma Annie called during one of the messages and, and uh, my son Joshua, he got all nervous. Grandma Annie's calling. What do we do? And well, don't answer it. We're, you know, we're going, we're going on here. And we had Tim, bless his, Tim had a neck problem, something in his neck. Right? And, and bless his heart, Tim, Tim is, is coming out and he's sitting in the front row here and there's no one else in the auditorium. And I'm preaching and the camera's right here and here's Tim sitting here doing this. <laughs> now you try preaching during that. His neck is killing him. He's trying to get, like, I don't know what he was trying to do, dude, to swim. He was back in the 50s. I don't know what he would do. And I'm sitting here, I got the text open, I'm trying to pay attention, and I see this guy going nuts. And he wasn't slain in the spirit, believe me, I don't know what it was. <coughs> but you know what God did through that? I mean, here we are, it couldn't get any worse. We got a guy going nuts in the front row. We got nobody in the seats. Talk about no amens. I mean, nobody's in the seats. And my mom tells one of her friends to start watching us who didn't go to church at all, who did and came to Jesus and got saved. It seems at our lowest point, at the hardest times, God gets the most glory. So let's not just stare at the wind and wait for the perfect time. Let's serve God now. Let's give him everything we got now. And if it gets harder, we can't control that. But the harder it gets, the more glory he gets. So let's think of that as we ponder this passage of Scripture. Are you willing to take a risk? How willing are you? Or are you stuck in your ways and saying, this is how it's going to be and I'm not going to change? Well, guess what? When we do nothing, we get nothing. 
But when we take a risk, there is a reward. So let's live like that. Let's pray. Father, as I look at this scripture, boy, it challenges my heart. I, I like the middle. I don't like the big risks. And Lord, sometimes I like to wait until everything's ideal and perfect to act. And then I wind up doing nothing. God, there's so many excuses. So many things we can say. But Lord, now's the time to act. So thank you. Thank you for having uh, blessed us so much with a church that is flexible. God, we've done so many different things over the years. And Lord, I thank you so much for that. And Lord, we don't change the message. That's not what you want us to change. Ever. But Lord, there's times when we have to change methods. And try different things. And be willing to take a risk. And there's no formula for success. We can't say, well, we do this, we change this, we change that. All of a sudden, we're going to have more people, more fun. That's not what it's about. We just want to bring you the most glory. And so help us to speak the word. Because we know you bless your word. It will accomplish things on this earth that you want it to accomplish. So help us to be faithful doing that. Help us to be faithful givers of our time, of our finances, Lord, because you bless that, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to not grow weary in doing what is right. There's often times we don't see the results and we say, well, why am I doing this for? Lord, help us not to grow weary in doing what is right. For in your timing, you will bless it. Thank you for that. And thank you for bringing things into our lives that causes us to change things. Sometimes we get caught in a rut. And I think of how COVID has disrupted a lot of things, but in so many ways has made us better. Because we're leaning upon you all the more. For we don't know what misfortune will hit this earth. So help us to be faithful to you. Thank you for the good things. And thank you for the bad things. May you get all the glory in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to have the kids come up, if you don't mind, while they're singing the last song.